0: You're listening to Peace Out, a Women Against Gun Violence podcast hosted by Saba Johnson, me. For over 25 years, Women Against Gun Violence has prevented gun violence through its innovative programs and by promoting strong and effective gun legislation. To support this organization and podcast, consider making a donation at our website, www.wagv.org. Hello everyone and welcome to Peace Out. Today we'll be talking about what we as teens want to tell our parents about guns. Uh, we're here with Benjamin Zidel, a senior at Palisades Charter High School.
1: Hi, I'm Benjamin.
0: Uh, so let's get right into it. So Ben, tell me, what do you want to tell your parents about guns?
1: Well, mainly I would just say one of the biggest reasons why I would conflict with my parents in any way is just because I think they may tend to have a not negative, but they're a little bit skeptical about this new generation. Um, they are immigrants, they came from a hardworking families, and they know the value of hard work and success, determination, all those kinds of things. And so they might be skeptical that our generation is the generation that can cause any kind of change. And when if I were to talk to them about gun violence and things like that, um, they might question what I'm trying to say uh, coming off as you know, too radical or trying to do too much at once. So, if I were to talk to them, it's something I would really have to stress is that change is possible and it doesn't and, you know, what I'm saying might be sound far-fetched to them, but it's a new time and this is the time to change while we still have the privilege to do so.
0: So, do you find that they're just more inclined to stay with the old way of things?
1: I think the times they grew up in were different and The political climate that they grew up in was different. And so they're used to, yes, a different way of life. And yeah, I think the world is changing right in front of them. And they might not... I don't know if they're not ready to accept what's going on. But at the end of the day, I just don't know. I think it might take them by surprise. And so I don't know if they're ready for, you know, say, the sweeping gun reforms that might come in the next few years or, um, you know... Whatever, whatever it may be, walkouts at school, more activism. Because I don't think that stuff was around with such magnitude when they were kids, and especially to have their seventeen-year-old son be so active with with regards to gun control. I think that that would, you know, they're they're a little taken aback. I would say.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, for me, with my parents, they they both grew up in a Middle Eastern country that at a point was torn by violence that they never wanted to have a part in that at some point they had to escape from so I mean when they come here and they see that every single day if not maybe twice a day within like a couple hours there's gun violence happening in this country it makes them afraid that they escaped for nothing and that they really they came to make me safe and make my brother safe but that they failed and what I want to tell them is that it's not their fault because they couldn't have seen this coming Mm -hmm. but do you think that anyone could have saw this coming the magnitude in which all this violence is occurring
1: i think maybe not initially but i definitely think mistakes were made um with the initial wave of gun violence that we saw a few years back before tragedies like sandy hook there were signs that Um, mental well-being and just the sheer number of guns out on the street were kind of posing a problem. People were being in a question, having an assault rifle, why that was necessary in suburban homes and neighborhoods. And I think people should have done some more about it then. Because I I genuinely think politicians and researchers, scientists, doctors alike should have come together and said something about it. Because, and I heard somebody say this actually just yesterday, we need to stop treating it like... um, just just calling it a gun control issue because it's actually a health crisis and I think that's actually a really good way to break it down doctors can my parents as doctors I think should have a lot of say in what's going on right now because they do know what's going on both in the minds and the bodies of victims and shooters etc cetera, etc cetera. I think it's interesting though with your parents being ing- immigrants and mine, that they actually have different viewpoints I would say my parents my mom came from Vietnam and her and my father's perspective on the United States is kind of a country where their biggest, the biggest thing they have access to is a sense of liberty and freedom. And that's what my mom got away from when she came from Vietnam. That's what my dad's family got away from when they escaped the Holocaust and the forties. And, and I think when they came here, that's really something that they, they pride themselves on is their sense of voice and liberty and freedom. And so because of that, they are not, um, staunchly against taking away every single gun that's sitting in american streets and they're not taking they're not pro taking guns away from policemen and obviously i can't speak to their political beliefs but they do have some and they grew up with um the idea that they would like their own sense of liberty and so that's going back to like what i would talk to my parents about it is that's the hardest part is skirting the line between where you take away a person's liberties and where you're you know making making the world a safer making this country a safer place and I admit it's difficult and I don't know the answer because I do know that I enjoy personal liberties here and I don't know whether you know how the Second Amendment fully plays into that um, and I do know that you know recently as of 2008 the individual right to bear arms just became a thing so I don't know what um, how it, how it works and how all these forces are coming together but I know it's worth talking about, so.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, for me, the cross-sections between liberty and gun control, it becomes a little bit more murkier with my family because when my family was fleeing Iran in the 80s and then early late 90s, they had to escape a government that was not serving their best interests and that was taking away their liberties. And whether or not their their side of the protest was using guns was none of their concern because they simply wanted to find a better place although for me as opposed to as opposed to um bringing liberty so much into the acquisition of guns and the possession of guns for safety for them they really thought that their liberty stemmed from their ability to walk and feel safe no matter what and maybe for some people it was having a gun on them and feeling safe, but for them, that was just never the case because they were surrounding it. But, for me, what I would tell them is that, well, I agree and I I can admit that I am a product of my parents' beliefs, however, I can attest that when I'm walking around, I don't want to have to think about the danger of someone having a gun, even if it's a quote, a good guy with a gun, because even the gun in itself, for me, I was taught that it's a symbol of um, violence and death and danger and not so much a symbol of safety and security. So I don't know how that would play into you. But.
1: Yeah, I, that's actually a good point now that you mention it about you know reasons for leaving with the government. And, and I think that might be why my parents may be skeptical, um, why they could potentially be skeptical about all this change, if they even are. It's because um, my mother, let's just use her, came from... A government that is now functionally communist and she escaped briefly before the fall of Saigon and that is I guess I would speculate that that probably would leave her with some form of distrust in the government regardless of whether it's Vietnamese or American because the government you know was imposing something on her that she didn't want or taking away her things that she wanted and so Coming here, even if she's never seen a gun in her entire life, maybe on, pr- and I completely see how, forgetting about my parents, how, why people would think this way, that taking away, a, you know, a, any right, regardless of what it is, could cause some uproar. Mm-hmm. Even if I've never seen a gun in my entire life, on principle, I see why some people would say, why do you have to take them away? Mm-hmm. But I, I, again, everything else comes into play, and mm-hmm. that's what you have to consider. There are so many other things at play, and there have been times before when we've sacrificed some of our personal liberties for the for safety and now i mean i'm sure we'll touch on this later but you know in light of recent events more than ever really time to take a step back and look at some of this and and maybe not make super drastic maybe not make the super drastic reforms right away but do something right
0: well that being said with your like say mom's view on the government whether it be vietnamese or american how would you explain to her your own views of at least the american government because that's where you've been living
1: yeah i mean it's hard to get somebody to have trust in the american government myself included right Mm -hmm. i I don't have i don't have um unwavering faith towards the american government in fact i like to think of myself more as somebody who's always a little bit skeptical because i am safest that way yeah um but, you know, if I had to explain to somebody who really, really didn't have any trust, I would maybe tell them to look around, right? Look at their surroundings. And they've been lucky enough to be, in the case of my mother again, to have made it to this country and had a very... Had to have worked hard, obviously, yeah. but to have product from that oh, yeah. hard work and output that she is proud of. And so clearly something has gone right. And so, you know, if, if it's not all in shambles, then something along the way... Has been correct, and so I would ask to have a little bit more. You know, yeah. I don't want to say blind faith, but you look at the past and Mm -hmm. see that in the past they've done good things, and there's potential. Yeah, and maybe actually now that I think about it, on a more on a bigger scale, under trying to make my mom understand that the government should, you know, at its core, be related to the people. And so if we're saying that we want something, it should be in the government's interest to get that for us. And so really, when it comes to distrust in the government, you can really just link that back to, like, do you trust the American people? And so I would try to explain to my mom, you know, then I would get into the conversation of, do you trust the American people? And so that's where I think it would end up going. Because in an ideal world, the government should be listening to the needs of its people.
0: I agree. I mean, when I talk to my mom and I talk about trusting the American people in particular and as it relates to guns... For me, I tell her that I don't trust them. Not at all. Because whether or not you believe that humanity is intrinsically good or bad or evil or good or selfish or whatever, you're, It really. I always thought, and I would always tell her, it depends on the tools that you give them. If you give people tools of positive change and um, support and things like that, you're obviously going to get a better result out of it, as opposed to if you put, in my opinion, a killing machine in someone's hands and tell them to do good. Because... Um, as it relates to my mom, when I talked to her, and she, because she came uh, a lick before 9-11. She came in about 2000, and she had to witness, after, after 9-11 happened, she had to witness the hate that came with it and the danger of a hate crime that involved a gun. That was something that she had to fear, and some, in the, in that fear she passed on to me, and that's something I'm still scared of, whether it be because I'm Muslim or Iranian or whatever. And so when I think about that and I talk to her and I talk about even like war and foreign policy and after how, you know, the Bush administration invaded Iraq and everything like that and the integral role that guns and violence and things like that played into it, I can see why she's being pulled in a million different directions because she's expected as an immigrant to this country to be thankful of the liberties it's providing to her but also have to kind of turn a blind eye to the alleged sacrifices that the government has to make at the expense of other people, people that she is in a way closer to, if you're talking about ethnic backgrounds, and she has to ask herself, what's the price she's willing to pay for liberty?
1: Yeah, I I completely agree. I think with people who um, own guns or want to own guns or have whatever viewpoint they have, I think something that I can say, and I can't, I know this for sure, but I would assume that when somebody wants to own a gun, that they would want, and ideally, they would want to be safe, they would want that gun to make them feel safe, like they have some means of defending themselves, and I don't mean to be cynical or anything like that, but the only reason we're really there is because... Other people have guns and other people have guns and other people have guns. And so then you get to like, well, everyone feels like they need to have a gun to protect themselves because other people do. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's the sad truth. But I don't don't know what the right answer to that is because no matter what you do, it could be a complete ban on guns. A buyback program would be really useful. But black market trading, things Mm -hmm. like that, there will always be guns in this world present and that's my opinion and i don't think that anything we can do as a country forget the world will eradicate guns in america yeah um and so with that being said how can you do the best with the circumstances right Mm -hmm. okay we messed up we invented guns uh, (laughs) and they kill people and they kill other things and they have been used as terrible weapons, and in some cases good, and in some cases bad. But what can we do to fix it? I mean, I, as I said, this generation, you know, I think it's really, really important that we educate people. Mm-hmm. Really important. Because guns exist, just like diseases exist. But we educate people to fix, to cure diseases. We can also educate people to know how to deal with guns and to know how dangerous they are and to know what we can do about it to fix that. And I understand, and I um, I really do sympathize with the perspective that people thinking having a gun makes them safe. And I co- I totally get it. Even from immigrants who might actually feel unsafe in this country, having a gun might make them feel safe, and I get that. And now it's just a matter of, you know, how can we educate and inform and make sure that people know what to do, right? And so it's all very gray area and hard to define sometimes.
0: I agree, which is why I want to... Like, reassure my parents that, at least with my generation, we're making an an attempt to learn. And unfortunately, it is mainly because of the circumstances that we do have to face it more and more every day. So, it's kind of forcing our hands. But I do want to assure her that we, at this point, I believe that we know a little better growing up in it. Because you have to think about it. When was Sandy Hook? How old were we? We were maybe...
1: 10, 11, 12.
0: Yeah, we, we were in the midst of like growing up and like socialization like really accepting and learning what our environment is so I mean it's sad to say but I mean I have to also tell my mom in my own way I've grown up with guns and gun violence being always like a a present thing in my life whether or not I be an adjacent victim of it or experiencing it day to day it's a fact of my life so
1: yeah I agree and it's it's in in that sense it's important to like step out of who my parents or your parents or anyone who's older may be because you know it's one thing to look at it from your own perspective I want a gun because x y and z and I can get a gun easily in this country because of x y and z and I would ask that people like that step out of their own perspective and consider somebody who might not have had an education might now, under um, the current administration, have a mental problem um, of some sort that should, that used to bar them from owning a gun but does not anymore, um, or simply just be sick and should not have a gun with a bad intent, with a bad agenda. Mm-hmm. Um, to, and I ask people to step out of that perspective and consider somebody like that who shouldn't have a gun, yeah. who, who should not be using a gun. Whether it's because of their agenda, because they're sick, or because um, they're mentally unstable, anything, whatever reasons, they shouldn't have a gun. And so when you consider it like that, you know, you should really, it should really click with you, at least it clicked with me, Mm -hmm. that there should be more comprehensive gun reform and and a much more streamlined process for dealing with it. Because, yes, it's one thing to consider it from the perspective of somebody who is healthy, able... And can handle a weapon. Exactly. But completely different to consider it from somebody who's unhealthy, unable, and should not be holding a weapon. And when you consider it like that, you know, like, just as easily as you can, they can, then it should put things in perspective for oh, you. Yeah. And I, I think you're right between the two of us and um, kids who grew up around our age, growing up with this kind of stuff. I think it does click for us because we see firsthand how people make mistakes with them. And so.
0: Yeah. I agree. I agree. I mean, it's difficult to honestly have these hard conversations with our parents because it's, at this point, given the circumstances and the news and, like, the news cycle and the concentration of gun violence in that news cycle, to come home and tell your mom and she asks you, sweetie, what did you do at school? And you say, oh, we did a shooter drill. And that becomes more common and that becomes more so a fact of life, same way how you... Can easily talk to your like how your mother would ask you, do you know how to get out of school if someone comes and are planning to do is planning to do something bad. I want, I but I want to tell my parents that I don't want those conversations to be normal anymore.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what I want to say too. Yeah, I I I have no idea how along the path of growing up how that has somehow become so run of the mill to talk about shooter drills and whatever kind of learning you might do at school escape I have routes, no escape routes and yeah. security guards fences and IDs on you at all times I don't know how that became something that i would got used to but it it is at I've been at two high schools now and at each one they had full-time security guards mm-hmm. as well as identification you needed with you everywhere um, and that is sad to me Mm -hmm. and i genuinely think that so many of us i think including myself are living in a total state of blissful ignorance about it Mm -hmm. where we just put it off think i won't be the next school Um, my family won't be the next family that's devastated by something like this so i don't need to worry about it Mm -hmm. and from now on i can just kind of you know let it slide and i i will admit it i am i do that and i like to just put it off but you know I'm trying to take steps to make that less normal of a conversation because it's scary. And, you know, I'm sure you've heard and everyone's heard about school should be a place for learning and development and things like that. And we all know that this is going against that. So you want everyone, I, I have a vested interest in trying to fix that.
0: I agree. I mean, I think being in California, we always thought it could never happen to us because we're California. You know, we're, we're the place where... If nothing is going we always I think, at least for me and for my parents, we always thought if if nothing else is going right in the rest of the country, California will be fine. Yeah. But it's unfortunate that with recent events we've been proved so horribly wrong. And I mean, to think about that, but also to think about how I used to, at least maybe I was concerned about it's weird to think that maybe in my past I was more afraid about guns at school than I was just walking around in my neighborhood because I was California, you know, LA, free life, whatever. And for me now, the present danger isn't that as much anymore, as much as it is just not knowing, like how with Gilroy, someone traveled in order to inflict such disgusting harm on others. That's the present fear now because the fact of the matter is that our bubble can be burst at any moment and we can't
1: I was there that day yeah I was there that morning and um, our family was road tripping up to Oregon and we stopped in Gilroy and it smelled a lot like garlic and we couldn't really figure it out and it was that garlic festival Um, and we sat there outside the car thinking to ourselves should we go to this garlic festival that's happening later this afternoon And somebody, you know, literally, jokingly says, We shouldn't. We have four more hours of driving. We don't want to smell like garlic for the next four hours. So we got in the car, and we left. And that evening, as we're sitting a couple hundred miles away, we get the notification that it happened right there, right where we were standing, thinking, should we go? Should we stay? A couple hours after we left. That was crazy. And that is... There you go. It's not isolated. People move. They go places to do things right behind us. We could have been anywhere. And that, you know, my parents are paranoid of crowds. My mother does not like being around big crowds. And Mm -hmm. that is a huge reason why she doesn't like it. It scares her to be at movie theaters, at big events. um, And that's also one of the reasons why we didn't go to the Gilroy Festival. Because my mom was scared of the big crowds. And so, yeah, it's really scary. And it's super unsettling that you are in so little control Mm -hmm. but you know i would reassure people that feel that way that you can do things about it you know don't feel helpless
0: Mm.
1: you know um research find out ways you can help things like that it's not all hopeless
0: for sure i do agree with that i mean which is why for me at least i would always tell my parents to (laughs) vote you know yeah maybe the be the be the change you want to see or at least try and Create it, because I mean, especially especially for immigrants, I find that they are often often fleeing from a place where they didn't have the the power to choose or to have a direct say in what's going on. And I think as much as um, there are issues with um, American government and administration and whatever it may be, at least the people do have enough power where they can enact change, which is why I would encourage my parents, of course, to. Be a part of that, I mean, think about it. We're almost eighteen. Yeah, we I'll, almost I'll have be that voting. So, yeah, yeah, Next we're, we're, we're election, voting in twenty twenty. That's it's yeah. crazy, but I mean, so when you do travel, whether it's city, state, across the country, or internationally, I mean, is how present are these fears, if at all, given the news?
1: Pretty. Pr- I mean, uh, generally, I like to try to put it out of my head, but the Gilroy thing was in our family's head all weekend and all week. It was just, we couldn't believe it. Mm-hmm. And so now after that, I think especially a much more alert and like I said, the whole big crowds thing, yeah. and it's kind of just an omnipresent idea that's always in your head. And I think that is so unfortunate, For especially sure. as a kid, you know, I'm still a kid. Yeah. Why do I have to worry now about being the victim of a mass shooting? um and you know more questions to ask like why in america where i'm normally so lucky and so glad to be in this country yeah. why now am i scared and i wouldn't be in any other country um yeah but i also feel i think more scared honestly at home going to school every day cuz mm-hmm. school now is you know a hotbed for yeah. people who think it's a good place to go and attack and i think that I'm sometimes scared at school, especially when you do, like, the active shooter drills. Mm -hmm. That unsettles me, too. So it's kind of everywhere.
0: It is. I do agree. I mean, also, for me, really, I just, like, when, as a girl growing up, you know, you're always taught never walk alone, never walk alone at night, because, God forbid, someone may attack you or something might happen to you. And I think now, with recent news, my mom has even told me, you know, now someone might have a gun, which is 10 times worse, 10 times more dangerous, 10 times more lethal. And so now on top of having to worry about being attacked because I'm a girl walking around at night and, you know, I'm, I'm small. I'm not that big or tall or heavy or anything like that. I have to worry about that, too, which is and, you know, there's some things pepper spray can't solve, <laughs> which kind of sad. And, yeah, but it's true. And it's just another thing that I have to think about. But also, when I talk to my parents, because they obviously grew up in a different time, in a different decade, in a different era, because we, when you think about it, we have to deal with, like, the 24 hours news cycle. In, like, a blink of an eye, like, no one's talking about it. At one point, it's, like, this huge spam and, like, bombarding of, like, information, like, attention and um, just awareness. And then, just in a blink of an eye, it dissipates until Mm -hmm. it happens again. Mm Mm-hmm whereas you know in the 70s and the 80s if news happened it was the news for weeks days right. weeks whatever like up until like the 90s right and now it's just not like that anymore and i think that's part of the reason why us as kids we're just a slightly more apathetic
1: yeah i i agree we're just used to this blitz of information and we see it so often on our screens and the media that we see and we just... It, it's become destigmatized for us. Oh yeah. Um, but I also think the media has presented a whole other demon on its own with the whole um, presenting of shooters. Because basically, as we just I saw agree. in the last week, we had one pop up and it goes all over the news. And then within a couple days there's another one that pops up and that's all over the news and i think that this i know because statistics you know shown in there's been there've been studies done that this people seeing this person put up on television and basically idolized mm. on tv by the media can set an example and be a role model for people and that is and there are organizations that i've seen and agreed with their ideas that work to make those shooters anonymous, remove all names, information, Mm -hmm. data on the shooter that goes to the TV. So people can't use them as an example and people can't idolize them. Mm -hmm. Because when we see on the media all these names of shooters, I personally click on the link and I read about them. And Mm -hmm. I want to know what their circumstances were. But for some people, they could see that as, oh my God, this person got away with this and did X, Y, and Z. I could do that. I'm in similar circumstances. Yeah, you're right. And so you know there are, there are, there are currently organizations that work really hard to are raising money currently today to this day to get to anon to make those people anonymous
0: I agree I mean yeah because it's also unsettling when my parents ask me why do you know so much about them and it's because that's the information presented to me Yeah because I think we've always found that not only because there are often so many victims but also because they're presented as a number and that enacts outrage but that number doesn't stick in your head as much as a face does or a name does yes
1: exactly or really just
0: information about a person does which is why you know you see people they say this person their name their age their familial relation and then the tragedy that their family is suffering it does it humanizes the situation in a better way as opposed to humanizing the shooter which i think we as like kids because we're still being socialized we our views can sway back and forth easily still, I think. Yeah. I think we're not so set in our beliefs where the media can't influence us as much because we grew up in the media because the media, honestly, in a way, raised us, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate. And I know parents definitely don't want to hear that, but, <laughs> but it, it is the truth. And although it's given us some good things, it's also given us to also kind of intrinsically trust the media in yeah. a way you know you yeah. go through your feed whether it's instagram or snapchat and you see something and you kind of usually trust it
1: yeah that's why we have the whole fake news thing now exactly. it's just like you don't even against your better judgment. exactly yeah,
0: yeah. so i mean i don't know what to, uh, so when it comes to that i don't know what to tell my parents when they're expressing their own concern about how i'm viewing things because they know i'm afraid and they know i'm extra careful now and that i'm just in general, more vigilant about any circumstance that could involve a gun. But, I mean, I can't can't imagine that they're not concerned about how I'm consuming this information.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I guess it's always been my parents' beliefs that the more well-read I am and the more I'm up-to-date with the news, the smarter I'll be. But I do think the news is not perfect. It is Mm -hmm. not a perfect system of delivering us information. And, you know, the way it's being presented... For us, two pretty standard kids who are very well read, it we're just gaining information. We're oh, yeah. just picking up. We're just processing. Mm-hmm. For other kids, this is this could plant the seed of an idea. Yeah. So that's the problem, and yeah, you know, it's tough to fix that.
0: Also, with that being said, with the present the presentation of like media and news, I mean, then there's like the partisanship that goes into it, which is why, like, I think we as kids, like, it's because I think our parents, or at least like maybe kids who's... Parents aren't immigrants and grew up in the American system for decades upon decades. And I think I think now at least, maybe it's the same, maybe it's different. I think that in the past, people, um, maybe whether it's the older millennials or the baby boomers, they really stuck to their party and they really ingrained themselves into it and they ingrained their beliefs and kind of aligned themselves. Which is why I would encourage other kids to tell their parents to put aside the partisanship because I just don't think that's the issue.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I also don't think it should be a partisan issue either. I think we will never get anything done if we, and that is the way this country works and that's fine. We have two main political parties and that's how we, um, enact legislation and make change, but we will never get what we want done unless people come to some sort of common consensus about mm-hmm. this. Um, And there are a lot of other issues going on right now, which I also agree should be dealt with the same way. But now in particular, right now, this last week um, Mm -hmm. with El Paso and the other Mm -hmm. shooting that happened, it is, why can't we come together not as people of different political parties, but more so as people who understand life and death? Because inherently, we all understand life and death. We know that life is a good thing. Mm -hmm. And I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but death is not always (gasps) the best thing. Um... And so that's going on. So why do we not want to fix the cycle of death? Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter where you're from. You should share that belief. Um, So yeah, I agree. I agree.
0: Yeah, I mean, I agree. I I would. You would think that's a pretty common consensus or idea, but you know, as we see it now, not as much as we would, would want it to be. Yeah. Although, also, you know, I don't know if you see this as much as maybe I do when I'm talking to other people i know and their parents where they they seem to be picking and choosing their outrage because because when you think about it everyone expected such intense outrage at sandy hook right like these were like children like tiny children that really you would like the idea of like their parents of them scraping their knee is devastating so like this was just mm-hmm. of like biblical proportion yeah so i mean but with that being said i find that with like gun violence in general and just past school shootings and violence in general and like these close communities that people are really that a lot of people are disregarding the um proportion of gun violence that is doing onto kids of color to adults of color or just cross racial violence where mm. they're kind of disregarding the significance of it where they don't pose it as a gun issue but rather as a race issue or just anything like that, and I think that's also the problem why we still have so many gun deaths because we're not framing these problems under the umbrella it should be, in my yeah. opinion.
1: Yeah, you're right, and I don't even I haven't considered that as much, um, but I agree. I think uh, I did a research something once about um, under under funded neighborhoods and Mm -hmm. you know frequently in la's case that happens to be neighborhoods of color um in south la and east la and i actually think um i could be wrong on this study but that you know there are obviously higher rates of gun violence there and i actually think that they there are systems that essentially funnel the guns through the area and are much less vigilant about patrolling guns there and that's why there's so much gun violence and you're right i think it it does fall into a bigger umbrella and you're right, it, it frequently is just oh, race relations or this is a race problem, but this is a race problem because gun violence made it so. And exactly. this is these issues are interlinked and we, and we need to address them, not one by one and not consider it like, oh, first we do this, then we do this, but like really look at the overarching problems that gun violence is causing. And yes, yeah, true, you're right in these neighborhoods of color, and low-income neighborhoods and problems like that, where gun violence is more prevalent um, for whatever reason.
0: Yeah. Again, I mean, like for you, um, neither of us live in South or East L.A., and uh, we kind of grew up in generally the same area for most of our lives. I mean, when you walk out of your house, whether it's to walk your dog or to go to school or to just walk to a place to eat or to see a friend, like, do these fears of gun violence pass through your mind or is it just not a present thing for you
1: I think I'm I'm lucky enough to say that it is not a fear that crosses my mind when I walk my dog or drive to lunch um close to my house and I, I don't think it crosses my mind in fact it very rarely has yeah. but I I again I think that is the case because I've grown up in a neighborhood that is relatively affluent and i've been lucky enough to do so and so i don't have to worry about those kinds of and i feel like i don't have to worry about those kinds of things and again that that's my privilege and i am very lucky to have that but but that's me yeah so you know um, i don't know how you feel but maybe possibly you and i could answer this question one way and say oh we're not really that afraid whereas somebody living not in west la could have a completely different response because for them going outside at a certain time could be a matter of life or death yeah. of being afraid of being shot regardless of who it's by yeah. um someone in their neighborhood or law enforcement
0: mm-hmm. and
1: that is what they should they are scared of and what they should be scared of because it's a problem and so yeah i mean to make to answer your question no i'm not i'm not personally scared when i leave but that doesn't mean i can't see why other people would be and i can, oh, yeah. and i think you know and i and i sympathize with them and i want to do something about it not because i'm in a bad situation but because other people are and that's exactly. not fair
0: yeah Um. i mean relatively the same i mean the neighborhood i live in it's simple it's quiet there's honestly a lot of uh, older people who live there it's a common dog walking spot like when i walk out it's not it, that's not my concern uh to be quite frank but again like it's different for a kid in baltimore or Detroit, or Chicago. It's just different. And it's different because if I'm talking to one of my friends who are across the country and I say, you know, I've never been there. Like, tell me uh, a day in your life. And they're like, whatever. I go to school. I go home. I do my homework. Uh, I try and go to sleep, but I try and ignore the gunshots that are outside my door. And I'm like, oh, great. Right. (laughs) Thank you. But, But that really just goes to show where, because we... When I talk to my parents and they express all this fear for me and for my safety, regardless of where we're living, because we're lucky enough where it's not a present danger at all times. If I if I say I'm going to go take out the trash just like down the block or whatever, it's fine. They don't have to remind me to stay safe. They do, they're just like cross look both ways before you cross the street and that's that. Right. So I mean when I talk to my parents and I, and I tell them I'm not that afraid when I'm in my little bubble of just residence i don't want them to think that it's me being blissfully ignorant or refusing to deal with a pressing problem but it's just really again like you said like an acknowledgement of your own privilege and doing so that using that to benefit those who do not have that
1: right yeah completely agree it's 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 really about having a, a healthy dialogue um, yeah. at the end of the day and it's it's and We can be guilty of this as kids sometimes who are really steadfast in our beliefs and really strongly believe certain things. We can be guilty of not listening. But I really think at the end of the day, you can have whatever solution you want. I have heard so many different solutions to the gun violence problem. Um, I just went to a meeting yesterday where 25 people shared the solutions and each and every one had a different solution. Ranging from making the gun, the shooters anonymous to having an amendment that repealed the second. Um, and regardless of what you feel is the right solution, you just have to talk about it. Mm-hmm. with your Starting with your parents, who might disagree with you, who might agree. Um, starting with your school, something local, but knowing that dialogue is what's going to fix this. People need to be talking more about it. It needs to be, sadly, it has to be the topic of conversation because otherwise we'll forget. And that's what we... we were on a trend of forgetting and look, this has brought us back to reality. So we got to deal with it.
0: Absolutely. Um, And with that being said, we're out of time, but I'm really okay with ending with that. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Of course. Thank you, Benjamin, for being with us and peace out, everybody. You've been listening to a Women Against Gun Violence podcast hosted by Saba Johnson. For over 25 years, Women Against Gun Violence has been working to prevent gun violence through both its innovative programs and strong and effective gun legislation. To support this organization and podcast, consider making a donation at our website, www.wagv.org.